Hello and welcome back to another episode of Écoutant. My name is Izzy and I am your host of the ULIP Students' Union podcast. I really hope you enjoyed last week's episodes with our president, Eddie. I really enjoyed getting his top tips and hidden gems in Paris, which I will definitely be checking out. This week, I am joined by Josanne McCook, who is the head of Hispanic Society. Um, Her podcast episode is titled The Hispanic Connection, How Does the Hispanic World Shape French Studies? I'm super excited to have this conversation and find out more about the Hispanic world, and I hope you enjoy as well. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) I'm going to start with my quick fire questions to begin with. Um, So the first question is, what's your favourite hidden gem in Paris? um... Oh, okay. Well, for me, this is a hidden gem. Um, it's this like library cafe called um, Cariño. I forgot what island you saw. It's in, unfortunately. But yeah, it's like run by this like French slash Argentinian couple. Oh, gorgeous! And, uh, it's just a library with like you know a selection of Hispanic um, or like literature texts. Section. Yeah. And in the cafe, you can drink mate. It's my What's first that? Time. It's an Argentinian tea, and it's really interesting because they fill it to the brim with like all sorts of herbs and stuff. Right. And they have a special um, straw that they use to drink it, and you just constantly. It's like a like it's almost like it's like a ceremony. It's not a ceremony. It's like just very community based because oh, you just gorgeous. constantly fill it up. Yeah. With like a with a with a, like a metal flask for several hours, and you can wow. drink from the same cup for like a long time. Yeah. Oh, it's that really sounds nice. gorgeous. People yeah. say that mate is sort of like you either love it or you hate it. But right. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good hidden gem. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Question two. What is your go-to order at a bar? So I don't drink. Okay. But when I do want to feel a bit fancy, I do yeah. try cider. I do nice. Cider. What about just normally? You don't have to order an alcoholic drink at a bar. Um, I probably, depending on why I'm going. Yeah. If it's just to like chill with someone, then maybe a hot chocolate. I like oh, hot yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> Can't go wrong with the hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Question three: What is your favourite ULIT module? Ooh, I've really been enjoying all of the history modules. Yeah. So since day one, I've been in all the history classes, right? With Charlotte or like the other academic yeah. stuff, and yeah, I just love history. Yeah. Are you? Is history your minor? Or is it's it? not my no. minor. No. I just happen to choose all the modules. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, That's super interesting. Like, I just love how it just provides so much insight to you know contemporary French culture yeah. and politics, etc. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's just the way how Charlotte teaches is just so clear. Yeah. She's a really good teacher. It. Yeah. <laughs> Question four. If you could have dinner with one person, who would it be? Okay. So, um, ever since um, GCSE history, I've, like, I was completely in love with Ho Chi Minh. Okay. Um, and the way how he, like, you know, orchestrated, um, basically, yeah, the way, the way how he orchestrated resistance to, you know, whether it be the French Empire in mm-hmm. Vietnam or the literal Vietnamese war, the Vietnam War against the Americans. Like, right. it's always been a story that's inspired me. Uh-huh. The, like, sort of, you know, the, um, sorry, the David and Goliath dynamic and stuff. And yeah. I've always said, I really want to meet <laughs> I would have loved to meet him and talk with him. Oh, wow. Because not only did he do that, like, he was just a humble individual in general so even after the war with all of this like you know 
the whole population loved him, etc. And mm-hmm. he still chose to live a very humble life. He lived in this like in a hut somewhere. Oh wow! And he just spoke several languages and stuff, and it was just so inspiring. That's amazing. But then I was like, you know what? We can't have that answer forever. I'm pretty sure there are other you know people in this world that can inspire you. And since I got really interested in you know intercultural communication mm-hmm. and stuff, I found this woman. Her name is Karen Hill Anton. Right. And she is just wow. When I really <laughs> when I found out who she was and what she's done, like I was just really taken aback. Oh wow! Essentially, she's um, a Black American woman who had she really had a, like a life of struggle. Like her childhood was very not fun okay her mother ended up being um incarcerated so she was raised um by her single father right and essentially what she does which i find incredible is that she traveled the entire world this was before um you know we had transport systems like planes and blah 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 yeah she managed to (laughs) go to like i don't know like europe so first she was in europe she went to the middle east and like a car that's Um, crazy like husband and then um, the most impactful part, well, the thing that she talks about most is her time in Japan, in rural Japan, okay. and the countryside and how she, like, you know, set up her life there and tried to become a part of the community or learning how yeah. to become a part of the community part, whether it yeah. be at the schools, in the, like, farm, um, agricultural bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was just really taken back. Yeah, that's amazing. What I want to do. Yeah, basically. incredible. Has she published books on it? Yeah, she so she's written her memoir. Right. And her memoir is called, if I remember correctly, A View from the Breast Pocket Mountain. Wow. And that yeah, sounds she goes so into good. About, you know, her life, all the like crazy things that's happened to her, the people that she's met. And yeah. Her, especially her time in Japan. Oh, I'm definitely gonna buy that. Yeah, I love a book recommendation. She's a woman that has lived. Yeah. Like, she has gone through so many things. Incredible. And, you know, thank you for I that one yeah as as definitely time, so. definitely I think we can all aspire to that for sure so my last uh question is what would your top tip be for anyone that's currently at or coming to you mm. um I would say just make the most of the fact that you're in France especially mm-hmm. if you're coming to do a French studies degree yeah you will already compared to people studying in the UK that will only get like a semester or a year abroad in yeah. France you get to do your entire degree here mm-hmm. so try to make the most of it step out of your comfort zone yeah go meet people speak to French people yeah even in classes because I know it's like a sort of bilingual sort of institution we have but yeah when you have a class that's taught in French make the most out of it and try to interact with your teachers and your peers yes in French yeah redo the readings in French do the writing the research yeah. and stuff in French even student services yeah speak to them in French ask them questions in French definitely definitely and, just to be able yeah. to use it as much as possible exactly yeah and in the same way how like Laura Manley came on the podcast as well yeah. talked about getting involved in like a community outside yeah, of school yeah definitely do that too yeah there are loads of like you know apps and um, mm-hmm. institutions at your disposal like even going to a library um they have like loads of different events on that you can try to become, become a part of yeah like, you know even like book clubs yeah and readings and you know even Paris in general it's yeah like, such a lively city festivals um 
food tastings yeah whatever it is you want to do that's a good way to like you know involve yourself in the local community definitely volunteering definitely at one point I did like um this food distribution thing oh okay in the 11th right yeah it was really cool to just talk with people while you start it blah 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 yeah definitely Great advice. Thank you very much. Um, so why did you decide to start Hispanic Society? Obviously, it's new this year. And I'd like to know more about where your ideas came from. Um, I just started Hispanic Society because I wanted to share my love for the Hispanic world, for mm-hmm. Latin America, for the Spanish language, for because um, I did study at A-level. And okay. obviously coming here to Paris, all we do, all we focus on is French. I couldn't continue it in that way. Yeah. So it's my way of, you know, creating that time for myself to, um, yeah, really enjoy that part of my interest, my identity even, because yeah. it's so baked into who I am, I think, at mm-hmm. this point, with the like, people I've made, the connections I've done, the literature I've read. And yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to share it to all those that might be interested. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, Hispanic stuff apparently did exist before. Right. Like, for the, like, maybe two years ago or okay. something. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> no, it's been revived. Yeah, it's been revived, <laughs> and we're bringing uh, a Latin American flavour to it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So the title of this podcast is the Hispanic Connection: How the Hispanic World Shapes French Studies. How did you come up with that title? Tell us more. <sighs> because I thought, you know, everyone already thinks that Hispanic stuff is a bit out there. Like, why would you do Hispanic stuff? in a uni that's focused on French and French studies mm. and French culture. And I'm like, well, because learning or involving yourself in another culture, just like Spain, which is so close to France, yeah. surely Spain has influenced France in, or just the Hispanic world has influenced France in so many ways that can inform, again, your understanding of French culture. Because mm. it's not just on, you know, reading French literature and even we look at you know lots of British historians that comment on France and yeah it's um it's development we can also look at it from the Spanish um perspective right and that can really enrich your overall understanding of what was going on yeah whether it be um during the colonial period because you know we've had loads of like different empires competing with each mm-hmm. other imagine adding on again a third element yeah the viral be between the french and spanish empires and how what kind of you know intersections and impacts that could have had on you know colonial um, that's subjects really interesting there. yeah yeah so it was really just you know if you want to know about france here's another way you can yeah definitely and um, what's the kind of interaction like between french and spanish politics um well, it depends on like how far back you want to take it. Okay. To okay. How far back do you know? <laughs> um, so, like, with my own research, I think it, you can date it back to, you know, the Spanish succession. Okay. In the 18th century. So, that's essentially when, you know, all these different, you know, European powers are struggling for dominance over yep. Europe. And then, basically, in that struggle, the Bourbon dynasty came about and, you know, took over France and yeah. blah, blah. And then in that, obviously, you had, um, you know, the monarchy dictating what was going on in mm-hmm. France, whether it be, you know, financially, politically, So um, one of the ways, I think, is that because Catholicism was such a massive thing, yeah. not only 
in, in Europe, in Rome and blah, 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 but it was such a massive thing in Spain. Mm-hmm. The Bourbons wanted to really make that impregnate itself within um, um, French society already. Right. Because, you know, Catholicism was a part of France, but, you know, um, the Bourbon family really invested into, like, creating and um, sort of reforming the monastic culture within France. Mm-hmm. So they, like, built several mon- uh, monasteries. Right. They also, like, inc- um, invited those Spanish monks in. And then it's also through um, Catholicism that they, like, did their colonial expansion. Because okay. it was that, um, um, that, was that um, dynasty that oversaw... France's expansion into the new world along, you know, after Christmas, uh, Christopher Columbus came in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was more about um, teaching those barbaric peoples, I guess, and combating them yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into, into Catholicism. And, yeah. Yeah, super interesting. And then you, you obviously got the, like, you know, contemporary politics, so the yeah. Spanish Civil War. Right. And, you know, the crazy stuff that came out of mm. that with, like, the immense amounts of um, Spanish intellectuals that um, uh, flee from Spain yeah. and came into France and then influenced, you know, French um, French um, philosophers, yeah. politicians, blah, blah, blah. And I saw something, actually, that apparently there's a link between the Spanish um, political party, Podemos, and France in Tunisia. Really? Because they share a lot of, like, in terms of the socialist lines. Oh, okay. They sort of influence each other. That's super so interesting. That's for all like international politics students, you could look at. Yeah, that. yeah, that's for really sure. Cool. And what about the kind of Latin American world? Would you say there's much of a connection there? Yeah, I mean, I've seen things because you know how you know France, you know culture, country of the revolution. Yeah, birthplace of the revolution. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. So I've read people that have said that um, Latin America for French people is sort of like a testing ground. They sort of see it really? <laughs> as this, like, very re- revolutionary place where, like, all their ideas are coming to fruition. Right. So, like, they're sort of, like, observing it from a distance. You're like, oh, yeah. Interesting. This is, this is coming from Russo. This is coming from... Yeah. Vietnam. And it's like, yeah, it's just a... It's just a place of, like... Um, in, it's, like, influence, excitement. Um, like, they see what happens in Latin America and they're like, okay, well, maybe that might work that might not work here, it will right. work here, and they sort of, you know, because obviously, first of all, Latin America was influenced by France itself, but then, again, it's sort of this, like, cultural cross-pollination thing mm-hmm. going on, where, like, you know, one thing, yes, it may have started in France, but then the way how it developed and continued in Latin America has also been brought back into France wow. and have changed their ideas yeah. of, like, what socialism might look like or you know just communism whatever it may be yeah or like you know even just you know authoritarian power and it's several you know faces wow that's super interesting you'd i would i'd had no idea that there was such a influence between the two there is like it's kind of like i think so much more research should go into how you know, the Hispanic world influences Europe. Yeah. Because so much is always talking about in the opposite direction. Europe yeah. did this, Europe did that. Yeah. This comes from Europe. But, you know, obsessed with food history. Really? <laughs> yeah. I love cooking. I love, you know, trying new things. Yeah. And then when I saw that, you know, just, like, empire is just, you know, obviously it had its terrible consequences and mm. stuff. 
the way how it's revolutionized, you know, trade routes and blah blah blah. And yeah. like the things that we never would have had or seen had it not been for the connections that came about from one planet. It's like incredible. Amazing. Like the ingredients, for example, like potatoes, tomatoes, peppers, we never would have had them. They they never would have been a part of our cuisines and French wow. cuisine in particular if it hadn't not been for the construction of those trade routes. Even things like, you know, vanilla, mm-hmm. creme brulee, where would creme brulee go? <laughs> yeah. Ratatouille without tomatoes. <laughs> it's so true. Cacao. Yeah. Where are you going to get the chocolate mousse from? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's insane. It Have is. you got any favourite kind of Latin American Hispanic dishes that you'd like to cook? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, I love Venezuela. I am obsessed okay. with Venezuelan culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's because of Venezuela I have learnt about arepas. What's that? Arepas are like, you can say it's sort of like a bread, but it's made out of corn flour. Okay. And... Venezuelans and Colombians are extremely proud of this, but Venezuelans even more so because mm-hmm. they have created a like specific flour just for arepas. Wow, that's <laughs> it's insane! Arena pan, and it's literally a national treasure. Wow! And basically, it's this kind of you know pre-cooked flour that all you need to do is add water to it. You make the like dough, the masa, mm-hmm. and then it's made in it's like finished in five minutes. You just saute it in the pan. And then afterwards, you just cut it open and you fill it up with all sorts of ingredients. (laughs) Cheese, beans, meat. Wow. Veggies, whatever you want. Like, it's like a feast. It's a feast. That's incredible. Can you get it in France? You can. You literally can. Really? There are so many different alajillas. Right. Alajillas in in Paris. There's aji dulce. There's totuma. There's, you know, other, you know, small little, like, um, tartars around yeah. Venezuelan tartars in oh, that's so interesting. Paris as well. But Aki Dulce and I would say, are, like, the biggest Venezuelan yeah. restaurants here. Oh, wow. And I've been there multiple times. <laughs> you guys need to try the pequeños as well. Another okay. national treasure from Venezuela. And they're basically, like, mon- cheese sticks, mozzarella sticks. Oh. Don't tell them that. Gorgeous. Well, yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. What other ways culturally do you think the Hispanic world has influenced France? Well, um, we had a small conversation about this before. Yeah. And I did lots of research into how they have influenced art. Apparently art is a massive thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's been like um, artists such as Velasquez, Velasquez, who influenced loads of people. For example, Manet. It's also influenced Cezanne. Wow. And the thing is about him is that um, once the Louvre acquired one of his greatest masterpieces <laughs> that was called um, La Meninas, or The Court Ladies, right. in um, 1865, um, that really just set up the entire movement, honestly. Wow. Because um, Velasquez, he used a lot of you know space, light, and shadows which meant that, you know, it was just another way of, like, visualising how to, you know, um, how to sort of capture the real world, isn't it? Mm, So, like, you know, there was sort of, like, small, like, subtleties, psychological, like, insights and stuff that you can get through painting things in a certain way. Okay. And then French artists were inspired by that, particularly Impressionists as well. Right. So, um, 
Velasquez, in terms of um, Manet, um, it was really because, um, in general, Spanish culture was seen as the sort of exotic and really passionate thing. Okay. Compared to French culture, which was at the time like really restrained and formal, yeah. reserved to the elites. So that, like, for the artists, it's a really a way to you know express themselves and like mm. bring a bit of color in their lives, basically. And then um, you could see this particularly with Cezanne, I think. Right. Because after he went for a trip um, in Spain, he was particularly um, just inspired by color. Wow. Color. Because wow. Spanish, and then he said, let's create spatial effects, let's create you know, a sense of 3D-ness, etc. Mm. in our paintings. And which means that in, in addition to that, he also borrowed from you know that tradition of like creating lifestyle painting or like life um, still life paintings rather, right. and that means taking everyday objects and painting them and then turning them into works of art. Mm. So like using the color, using still life objects or like real life objects, texture, etc. Mm-hmm. Like he just well, no, he just he became the artist that he was today, wow. especially with you know the Atelier de, de Lumière. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just, there was one point where they like completely focused on Cezanne. Wow. And they really did a good job of like bringing it to life because you you saw how like the different lights and stuff it was all moving. Okay. And it was sort of like yeah, it was beautiful. That's incredible. And the other day when I went to um, when I went to Aix en Provence, he has you know his workshop. And yeah, I went into his workshop where he used oh, to wow. stuff and you saw all the like different everyday objects that he used to do in no his way. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Everything's coming together. Yeah, for sure. I've actually I've done a lot of um research in the Louvre. It's my mm. job that I do outside of uni. And um we've been looking at Spanish art recently in the Louvre and it's one of the biggest collections of Spanish art outside of the Prado mm. in Madrid. But no one knows it's there. And that's what's so shocking is it's yeah. such a large collection. Well, that's the thing because the Met Museum, mm-hmm. they have like released this book um, that's called the like um, Manet Velázquez, and it's the French taste for um, Spanish paintings. So, wow! I just I guess that's why. Yeah, <laughs> that just sums that it up. It's gonna detail it. Like I saw, like the, I think it's like almost about four hundred pages long. Or something. Wow! So it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, but I guess that will go into detail about why the Louvre has such a massive collection. Yeah, yeah, a huge collection. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any other things you wanted to discuss today in terms of the Hispanic world? Um, like it's just a part of everyday life. Yeah, even music. Yes, yes. Listen to reggaeton. It's so true. Yeah, if you want to vibe, listen to reggaeton. Actually, just, you know, Latin American music in general is such a mm. vibe. Bachata, mm-hmm. everything. It's gorgeous. I also learned that um, outside of Spain, flamenco, there's like two massive schools for flamenco in France. French wow. people love flamenco, apparently. How funny. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, like if you, especially Paris, Paris is such a cosmopolitan, multicultural yeah. city. Yeah. But like, yes, use it as an opportunity to you know um live in and experience French culture but if there's something else that interests you you can do it yeah. as well yeah like even as someone who's obsessed with like um Hispanic culture I really love like Asian culture Chinese culture mm-hmm. in particular and there's so many different cultural centers that goes to 
actually just around the corner from here there's the Chinese Cultural Centre oh really and I went to the Korean Cultural Centre like last oh. year and it was just incredible so like oh, if gorgeous. there's something that you're interested in Paris most likely has it yeah so don't limit it yourself to just French culture I guess it's still yeah that's the takeaway from this (laughs) wonderful well thank you so much for coming on it's been great to chat i feel like my mind has been opened (laughs) (laughs) and if you want your mind to be even more open please come to his final stops events yes of course so when will the event be do you know um, well, currently we have one going on. It's like okay. sort of in the background. It's our art gallery that's in the yellow room down yes. in the basement. And that's when we got, like, we collaborated with this Mexican artist and he's like, yeah, he's brought in all of his art. At some point, wow. we're going to bring him in again so he can, you know, explain the sort of thought process and yeah. the method behind how he's That'll done all really that stuff. That would be really interesting. But also, we're talking with the academic team um, at ULIT and at some point we're going to host a discussion right again linking to this theme of you know how the hispanic world can inform the studies here yeah because all of them have in some way come across the hispanic world in their research and yeah their specializations and we're going to talk a bit about that with us fantastic well thank you very much i look forward to those events <laughs> me too me too I hope everyone comes. yes for sure <laughs> thank you no problem.